verse number 7. Talking about the Apostle Paul and he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice. One that worshiped God whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, you know, you see some names in the Bible that you should never name your kids these names. If you ever name your child Crispus, we will do something to you. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord. This is really what I want to talk about. This is God put this in my spirit yesterday. And the Lord spake Paul in the night by a vision, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. That's what I want to talk about, for I have much people in this city. I want us to put our Bibles down, and let's lift our hands, and let's pray together for the remainder of this service. Lift your voice with us, and let's pray. Father, we love you, we praise you, we worship you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. You are all in all. We pray that the will of God is done. That you accomplish what you desire to accomplish today. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This is, without question, one of the more interesting passages that's found in the book of Acts. Of course, the book of Acts for an apostolic believer is more than just the fifth book in the New Testament. It is both our past, our present, and our future. It ends after it is the only book in the, in the New Testament that does not have a benediction, and that is because 
it was designed to be a continuation. It is not designed to have a standardized ending or as is so common in the other in the epistles there is a benediction there is an ending there is an apostolic ending that is because and this while you're sitting there today i hope that this data expands and enlarges your comprehension of the Word of God because approximately 36 years ago, I visited an apostolic church and my mind was completely um, expanded because I had finally come in contact with a group of people that understood what they were talking about. Um, and I know that that probably sounds arrogant, and I don't mean it to sound arrogant, but I had never met people that really truly understood what the book of Acts is really all about. But the full title of this book is actually The Actions of the Apostles. The actions of the apostles. And just as a thumbnail sketch in Acts chapter number two, the Holy Ghost is poured out. This is this is interpreted, very common interpretation, regardless of denomination, but this is every denomination is in agreement that this is the start of the church, is in Acts chapter number two. The Holy Ghost is poured out upon all flesh. Great revival breaks out in Jerusalem and then in neighbor, neighborhoods that are connected to Jerusalem and a little further out, Samaria. And then eventually it ventures out to the uttermost parts of the world. There was resistance like there is resistance today. One of the greatest promoters of this resistance is a man by the name of Saul. Saul experienced a miraculous, truly apostolic experience in Acts chapter number 9. His name was changed from Saul to Paul. Paul became one, if not the greatest of all the apostles. Um, he is considered, even outside of apostolic ranks, he is considered to have one of the greatest minds in the history of the human race. And so the apostle Paul is used of God to begin to take this message, there is no variation between the message that the Apostle Paul preached and the message that was preached in Acts chapter number 2 on the birthday, the origin of the church. There is no distinction. There is no variation. Um, if you're visiting with us here today, that would be one way 
that you could, um, you don't, you don't even need to engage anybody that's a member of this church. You don't even need to talk to anybody. You can do this yourself. If you are going to another church or um, you're acquainted with somebody that is, if there is, if there is a difference between what they are preaching salvifically, it has to do with salvation, and it differs from what Peter preached and what Paul preached, then they are not the originals. In fact, they are not even authentic. They are not even authorized to preach because in Galatians, the very first uh, epistle, um, after the book of Romans, you have the letter to the Galatians, which was uh, a massive area. Galatia was a massive area, but there were churches that were there that were started by the Apostle Paul. And he wrote that if any man or any angel come preaching any other gospel unto you that we have not preached, let him be accursed. Now you have to understand that we, you're, when you come to this church, we're only repeating what the Bible says. We are not saying this from our headquarters in, in, in another state or our headquarters in another city or wherever the headquarters of a denomination is. This is directly out of the Word of God. The Apostle Paul, and then he furthered that in the next statement. He said, if any man or an angel, come on, Joseph Smith, or even an angel come preaching any other gospel, let him be accursed, because the devil, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 3, and no marvel, for even Satan is able to manifest himself as an angel of light. When it comes to salvation, the devil said, if I'm going to affect the human race, I'm going to have to change the gospel. I'm going to tell you what, the gospel is repentance of your sin and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The blood, the water, and the spirit. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Oh, I'm thankful for one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One God and Father above all, through all, and in you all. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. It's not an excuse or a reason for us to be arrogant or to be prideful because that is plainly demonstrated and it's available to everybody. It's in the Word of God. The Apostle Paul begins to go to places where the gospel has never been. And without giving a historical representation of the book of Acts. He ends up in Corinth. Corinth is in Greece. In fact, it is larger than Athens. It's the largest city in Greece. It is a, um, it's on the sea, the Mediterranean Sea, so it's incredibly important place. It's not only the largest city, but it is a greatly blessed city because of the merchandising and the influence that it had through merchandising. 
But the Apostle Paul goes there immediately following after being at Mars Hill. At Mars Hill, which he preaches a message there that is, it's been argued. There are some people in the denominational world that have taken that message and used that and said that this is the greatest message that the Apostle Paul ever preached. It was at Mars Hill. And it's because homiletically they've been able to break it down. And it is, it is a good message, but it is a message that is essentially philosophical. There are a few people that followed Paul after his preaching down to the boat, but there were not any people delivered of idolatry on Mars Hill. And so the Apostle Paul, before he ever went to Mars Hill, he was at Thessalonica, where in your Bible it will say that a great many idolaters were delivered. So you would have thought that Paul would have gone to Mars Hill and used a message that already worked at the place where he marveled at all their statues. Historians say there were at least 30,000 idols. And the Apostle Paul picked, on one, picked up on one that said to the unknown God, and that's where he preached. You would have thought that he would have used a message where people that were bound by idolatry would, would have gotten delivered, but he didn't. He used a philosophically crafted message, and he was essentially shut down at Mars Hill. He left Mars Hill and got to Corinth, and so already he's got his, he's got his tail between his legs. He's feeling a little down. He probably realized that I, I should have gone ahead and done what God wanted me to do instead of me crafting a philosophical because he became intimidated by intellectualism, by the Epicureans and the Stoics that were at Mars Hill. Because Jesus said, when you stand before men, think not what you shall say. But the apostolic methodology is this. Jesus said, when you stand before men, you just be prepared to speak, and I will give you the words to preach. And when God gives you the word to preach, chains will fall off. You don't have to worry about dotting every I and crossing every T and worried about who is sitting in the audience. Jesus doesn't care who's in the audience. I'm, trying, I'm already preaching. You're going to find out here in a few minutes. You're not, you, when, when Jesus prepares an audience, Jesus does not want you to go into the back room and worry about whether the mayor, mayor is there, the governor is there, the president of the United I wish Joe Biden would come out of hiding and visit Cornerstone so that God could touch him and God I'm not being sarcastic and I'm not being funny this gospel for everybody somebody clap your hands and give God the praise right now and so the apostle Paul comes to Corinth and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue. And the very first place, you have to remember that the, the temple was in Jerusalem. But in cities all over the known world at that time, there were synagogues. 
And so he would go into the synagogue, and the first one that he went into, they shut him down. The Bible even says that they opposed their own selves. That means that they responded against what was good for them. So the apostle Paul said, okay, your blood be upon your own heads. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And he hooked up with a couple people that were members of the synagogue. Crispus was the leader of the synagogue. And once he had a few converts, once he had a little bit of revival, then God spoke to him. I'm reading between the lines here this morning because I believe, I don't want to give the impression that I felt like the Apostle Paul was depressed. I don't believe that. But I believe that he was discouraged. He had already been in Acts chapter 16, spent some time in a jail with You remember the prayer meeting that he and Silas had at midnight? It seemed like everywhere they went, they weren't getting the type of breakthrough that he really believed that God was capable of doing. And and so he goes from a Philippian jail and then to Mars Hill, and now he's getting shut down in a synagogue, and he's feeling probably a little bit discouraged. I understand that discouragement. You're sitting in a home missions church here this morning. You're not sitting in a church that's been here for multiplied generations. This church is only 26 and a half years old. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. But make no mistake about it, I feel like Cornerstone is just at the place where we can really get down and do some damage. If you're just kind of looking for a little cozy retirement church that can just kind of go through the motions and just kind of have a good place to have your your life celebration, this probably is not the right church for you. Because like the Apostle Paul, after God spoke to him, something touched him. Something changed him. He needed that to begin to wipe away the discouragement. I remember many years ago, my wife and I, uh, and my two small children came uh, to Spokane. We did not know anybody here. Uh, I did not have any connections here. Um, I did not, I, I've never been to Spokane, barely, barely could find it on the map. We came here. We set up shop. We didn't, it didn't seem like there was anybody that was interested in what we had to say. But I remember when we got a real breakthrough. Brother Tom Sakpopo, would you just raise your, go ahead and just wave your hand back there. I remember Brother Tom Sakpopo, uh, we got connected and, and he took a Bible study and he got baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And then he married Sister Gigi. Sister Gigi, would you just wave your hand? We went all the way to the Philippines and they ended up coming back. Back over here, and then her mom came here, and then another one came here, and Nathaniel Sakpopo is now. You just go ahead and have a little revival, and God's gonna kick on the afterburner. I remember 
Sister Gigi, God bless you on that video on her website. When she came to Cornerstone, we were over on Spray Avenue. And she said, oh, the church is so small. And she, yeah, yeah. And then just a little while after, after she moved here, we bought the building on Broadway and we quadru- we we didn't we almost quintupled. We quadrupled our numbers over on Broadway. And then we got this building. And then we got the big one across the street. If you're reading the same Bible I am, you ain't worried about anybody else. You ain't worried about people that aren't having results. You ain't worried about what everybody else is doing. You just realize God has a lot of people in this city. Somebody go ahead and shout right now and give God the praise. Paul hooks up with Aquila and Priscilla. They all became tent makers together. And Paul just kind of settled in. But after he had a couple baptisms and had a few people to build on, God spoke to him. I'm going to tell you why I think God spoke to him right here. Is because now that the Apostle Paul got a little taste, the huge city that you're in right now, God did not want discouragement to determine his next, his next move. God did not want discouragement, becoming despondent, to plot his next move. And so at night, in a vision, God speaks to his man. You may remember in Philippians chapter number 3, the Apostle Paul going through his lineage, reading part of his resume. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. Concerning the law, a Pharisee. He was a hardcore Jew. And now he's in Corinth where there is a mixed multitude of Jews, Romans, and Greeks. And God speaks to him. This is what the Lord said to him. Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee. And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Now, biblical expositors have taken that one verse and tried to take it apart. Most of them believe what happened is Claudius, earlier in the chapter, after he hooks up with Aquila and Priscilla, um, 
because it says it in your Bible, it's in parentheses, that Claudius um, kicked out all the Jews out of Rome. And so they were dispersed. There was a dispersal out of Rome, and many of them, many of them went to uh, Corinth. They went to a lot of other places, but there was a great exodus, and there was a great immigration that took place of the Jews from Rome to Corinth. And there's been some biblical expositors. I'm going to show you how bad uh, sometimes people with a, with a theological degree can miss it. But there were, there were expositors that said that when God said, I have many people in the city, that that was God letting Paul know that there's a lot of Jews that are here and you don't need to worry. That is completely patently false. Because the very first Jews that the Apostle Paul ran into absolutely resisted everything he had to say. In fact, there were Jews all over the known world whenever he went into the synagogues. It wasn't always, uh, it wasn't coffee cake and a fresh espresso and let's talk about the gospel. No, uh, there were people, there were Judaizers that used to follow the Apostle Paul that many expositors believe that were his thorn in the flesh, that everywhere that where Paul used to go, whenever there was a few people that became disciples and obeyed the gospel, that they would immediately, when Paul's back was turned, they would go in and they would try to subvert what the Apostle was doing. This, is, this was a thorn in the Apostle Paul's flesh, man that had taken a vow to destroy the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And, and the Jews were not absolutely just totally sold on the Apostle Paul. That is not what that means. What that scripture is saying when God is saying to the Apostle that I have much people in this city, God was letting him know that I've got a lot of people that I'm working on right now in this I wish somebody right over here would go ahead and clap your hands. I wish somebody right back there would go ahead and get excited about this. We're not just going through the motions. We're not a sideshow among denominations. This is, we have activated the power of an almighty God. The first people that came to this part of the world were Catholics. The second group of people that came into this city and came into this entire region were German Lutherans. That's why not far from here it's called Priest Lake. Even a priest knows a good lake when he sees one. But you have to understand, there's far more angels than there are demons. Now, depending on what you got going on in your life when nobody is watching, that is going to term, determine what, what kind of power you're resisting and what seems like uh, what, what's bigger, God or the devil. But I'm here to tell you, there are two-thirds that are not going to leave God's presence. There are two-thirds that are not going to leave God's glory. There are two-thirds that are going to be there with you. There are two-thirds. Come on, somebody. The devil is... I don't care what denominations came in here to evangelize, and they did. 
And they worked with Native Americans. They worked with indigenous people. And then they tried to minister to uh, soldiers. Soldiers were some of the very first Caucasians outside of fur traders that came into this part of the world because Fort Spokane was here. And, and it grew, and it, and it, and it took off in the, in the latter part of the 19th century. Uh, the city took off. And um, different denominations came into this part of the world. I believe in every single, all over this world, all over the globe, I believe that when the Holy Ghost was poured out, that there were angels that were repositioned. All You don't have to believe this with me. It's not in the Bible. But I believe this. I believe that what happened is there were angels that are postured and positioned in regions all over the world. I don't care if it's in the Sahara Desert. I don't care if it's in the Gobi Desert. I don't care if it's in Mongolia. I don't care if it's in Terra del Fuego. Wherever there's people, you are going to have the interest of God. It doesn't matter if it's just one person on an isolated island. That's one person that Jesus would have gone to the cross for. All right, I'm going somewhere with this. And I believe you have these other denominations that came in, and I'm not putting them down. I'm just giving you a historical. This is all a matter of record. There was the, the Catholics came in here, and then the German Lutherans came in here, and that angel never budged. He never moved. And then and then and then other groups came in, and then John G. Lake came in in the early part of the 20th century, and that angel never even budged. That angel never even moved. And then other groups began to came in here because people, wherever you have people. You're going to see you're going to see denominations begin to to spring up and and people that come in and groups begin to develop. But I'll tell you one thing that activates that angel is when a one God, tongue talking, baptized in Jesus' name, filled in the Holy Ghost, when an apostolic man of God comes on the scene, then that angelic. Let me prove it to you. Philip, the evangelist, how'd he know where the Ethiopian eunuch was? How did Philip know where that eunuch was? An angel brought him together. An angel pulled him out of revival in Samaria and got him out into the wilderness where here is a rich man riding in a chariot, reading in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 53. And all of a sudden, Philip comes on the scene and says, understand us what thou... You may not even believe this today, but I do not believe this church is operating by themselves. I do not believe that I am put here to operate by myself. Somebody clap your hands. I'm here to tell you that God has determined that this church have revival because he's... You see more angelic activity in the book of Acts than any other book of the Bible, save the book of Revelation. We don't worship angels.
I believe this stuff. I believe it's apostolic. I believe it's solidly, solidly apostolic. Brother Randy Williams, who's now pastoring the Thunders Church in Fort Myers, Florida, when his la- one of his last revivals he ever preached was here in Spokane, Washington. I will never forget him telling me that he came over to this building. He just flew back in. He just got back from the airport. It was in the middle of the night, and he came here, and he told me, he said, Brother Mayo, I saw two angels at that new building. To the man that's more apostolic than he is organizational, he'll walk in this because he understands, I didn't put myself here. I've never been here in my life. I've never even been to the Northwest outside of preaching for a few men on the West Side. But there is a God that says, I'm going to put you there, and then I'm going to pull people towards you. I'm going to... Br- If you're visiting with us here today, you are here by design. You are here by divine design. Go ahead and clap your hands. Go ahead and lift your voice. The supernatural works with a God-called, God-placed, God-anointed man. God was letting Paul know. I want to tell you something. If you ever go somewhere and you start talking about leaving, you might as well take the calendar off the wall and just go ahead and leave. Because once it comes out of your mouth, I'd rather be in a truly apostolic, truly God-called church and not have as good of a job than to have a good job and not like the church I'm going to. Because you're going to have kids. Come on, somebody! We don't have time to play games. We don't have time to play around. We don't have time... I got to be careful because I, I'm trying to. Brother um, Sergeant, did you ever meet Bill Brown? I won Bill Brown to God in a Burger King in Rancho Cordova. Gave him a Bible study over a cheeseburger. Him and his wife, I can't remember her name. But he started going to the Rock Church. Shortly after that, I started evangelizing. Hadn't seen him for years. We came to, we came to Spokane. I'd been here about two years, and all of a sudden, the phone rings. Honey, it's Bill Brown. Bill Brown? From Sacramento? Is this Brother Mayo? Yeah. Is this Brother Brown? Yeah. How's it going? Horrible. Why? I got a job offer to move to Omaha. So you left the Rock Church. 
Yeah. Okay. What's the problem? He said, I don't like the church I'm in. But I got a job that's paying me 50 bucks an hour to work on trains. He was a diesel mechanic for Southern Pacific. Come on, all you folks out there looking for a better job. I'm trying to preach to you. I said, what's the problem? He said, I'm making a lot of money. But the church isn't going anywhere. I said, pack your bags, load your family in the car, and get back home where you belong. If that crosses with your theology, I apologize. I didn't come here to be argumentative. But I'm going to tell you that you can have more money. It's falling out of your pockets. But you ain't got enough Holy Ghost to knock a gnat off a windowsill. You ain't got enough Holy Ghost to cast the devil out of your life. I'd rather be smack dab in a church that's blowing apart at the seams, that's going to the next building than anything in this world. Somebody shout. Somebody clap your hand. I've got to have revival. Come on, somebody. Clap your hands. Lift your voice. Let's praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Then he got back to Sacramento and started messing up again. So I don't know what his, I haven't seen this man in years. I have no idea where he's at today. Get on the internet. Get on my life and see where he's at. Dude, you can't believe everything on the internet. There's a devil on that internet. I ain't going to get caught up in the web. I have no intention of getting caught up in the web. Bill Brown knows where Cornerstone is, and if he was to walk through these back doors, I'd say, go get me a pan of water and a towel, and I'd sit here in front of this congregation and pull his socks off and wash his feet because, honey, this is about eternity. This is about revival. This is about the power of the world to come. Somebody shout. Somebody praise him. Somebody glorify him. Somebody magnify him. All right, you may be seated. Pastor, I thought you said we were going to slow down. I'm trying. See, what you all don't understand is I get excited. When God starts talking to me about revival, I get excited. God put this in my spirit yesterday to talk about this today. God was letting Paul know. I have much people in that city. How? How in the world could God make that statement that I have much people in that city? I'm going to tell you how. Number one, he's omnipotent. 
Number two, he's omniscient. He knows everything. Number three, he's omnipresent. He knows what's going on in your home. He knows what's going on in your neighbor's home. God was looking in on that entire city, and he was letting Paul know, I've got people, if you'll stay put and put your roots down and start preaching without fear or favor, I'll pull them out. I'll bring them out. You got to have faith for this stuff. You can't be motivated by creature comforts and what you see because it's going to be—it could be negative for a long time. God was letting Paul know, "You do your part, and I'll do my part." So, immediately after this, immediately after this, in your Bible, it said that the Apostle Paul stayed an additional 18 months. And he returned to Corinth after that, but he was there for another 18 months. So, what happens when there is human alignment? The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 6, verse number 44, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him. Which means you folks that are visiting us here today, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, you don't have the Holy Ghost yet, but that does not mean that the Spirit of God's not at work. I don't even know if I believe this preacher. I'm here to tell you, if you're sitting here and the lights are on and we're having church and the praises have gone up, that the Spirit of God is already at work in your life. You were not even, if you would have had a choice, you may have not even come here. But there was a God that spoke to your mind. There was a God that said, no, not there, here. There was a God that said, no, make a left here. Make a right here. Come on, somebody. You need to get on board with this because this is how revival is happening. For I have much people in this city. God spoke to me while I was still on drugs. God spoke to me while I was still an alcoholic. God spoke to me when I was so far in the world, I had, no, I had no comprehension about the kingdom of God. I had no comprehension about this at all. But what was happening is there was a man of God in Sacramento. And that's all God needs to begin to operate is somebody that's in alignment, somebody that was called, somebody that was placed, somebody that's anointed, somebody that has a walk, somebody that is consecrated, somebody that is dedicated, somebody that is holy. 
This doesn't happen for anybody. Supernatural is activated. God spoke to me on a concert stage in downtown San Francisco. The band that opened up for us was a little teeny insignificant band called Metallica. The first group that opened up for us was called Exodus. They were death metal. Metallica opened up for us. They were speed metal. We didn't know what we were. We were just a bunch of, just a bunch of rockers. And God spoke to me on that stage. I didn't know what it was, but I never forgot it. About a year later, my brother invited me to go to an apostolic church. You see, when God is involved, God will say, no, not that one, that one right there, because that one's attached to that one. And I spoke to that one, so I, I can't just use anybody. i got to use that one. That's why when God, God wants to use you to reach a family member, not the other one, not somebody, not a distant sister, i got to use you. And if you're willing to do it, you can pull people out of the, oh, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost all over me today. I'm here to tell you God wants to use us so far beyond what we can see. My brother invited me to a church. It was in a commercial storefront. It was a warehouse. Didn't even look like a church. Had folded metal chairs. The ductwork was coming out of the, the grid work in the ceiling. Didn't even have ceiling tiles everywhere. Just just the big trunks of a looked like a, a big a big monster just hanging out. But see, you can't you can't go by what looks, and that's why a lot of human beings are are getting off course. And that's why, see, that'll fool a lot of people, and and all the glitter, and uh, and it's got to be the right kind of lights, and we got to have the right kind of atmosphere. I'm trying to show you that this was a manger for Rick Mayo. It was just plain. It was it was it was reject carpet. It was folding metal chairs. But every Sunday, it was transformed into another dimension. It was transformed into an environment that now. We is in alignment with heaven and alignment with angels and alignment with God. Somebody! And I put my hand on that, that door handle to that and that same voice spoke to me. If I think about this too much, I'll just start I'll just start crying. I'll just have to dismiss everybody. And I'll just have to curl up over here and find me a place to pray. Because my brother, that's my testimony. That God called me out because there was a man that was in alignment and a group of people that was in alignment. Oh God, I pray you remove the scales. And let us see this thing, the depth and the symmetry and the power and the prophecy of this.
No man can come to Jesus except the Father draw him, which means when we parked this thing 26 years ago, the Holy Ghost is still pulling on people. God just starts. The word draw there, it's used twice. I'm getting ready to show you the second time it's used in there. It's not draw like a net. Many instances in the Bible it says that the disciples, they pulled the net, they drew the net to shore, they drew the net to the boat. That is not what this means. This is talking about supernatural agency that begins to work, and it's in a way that the translators could not even fully, they could not even fully articulate its meaning. They just said that this is something that begins to happen. It, ha it can happen in the mind. It can happen in the soul. It can happen in the spirit. It's not just circumstance. It's not just happenstance. It's not just by chance. It is where an individual is led to a particular environment because God is reaching for that person. God, they, they drove right by this church and they drove right by that church and they drove right by this church because that's not where God wanted them. God wanted them. Oh my goodness. Somebody clap. Somebody shout. No man can come to Jesus except the Spirit of God draw him. You're praying for family members. You're praying for children. You're praying for your husband. You're praying for your wife. You're praying for neighbors. You're praying for coworkers. Just stay in alignment with God. Just stay in that special place. And see, that's where the devil's going to want you. Come here, brother, for a minute. Just come here. Just stay and face the audience. When you start praying that way and you're in alignment, the devil will try to get you. He'll try to tempt you to make a mistake. He'll try to tempt you to lose your posture. He'll try to tempt you to lose your prayer life. But you got to say, no, 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 no. I'm hanging on. I'm going to anchor to somebody out there. And I'm going to start pulling. I'm going to start pulling. I'm going to start pulling. I'm going to start Somebody shout. Somebody clap. Somebody give God the praise. Come on, somebody. Let's give him some praise. For I have much people in this city. John chapter number 12. That's only one part of the equation. Elder, when a human being becomes anchored in alignment, you liberate the supernatural agencies to begin to start pulling, drawing. That's only one part of this. When they get to the church... What they going to find when they walk in the back door, Brother Seymour? And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw. Same word. Same exact word is in John chapter 6, verse number 44. The drawing continues. I was talking to a guy that's been working over in our building. I've been... I've been talking to a couple guys that work over there. And I said, what church you go to? He said, I, I don't go to church. And he knows, he knows just enough about the Bible to really hurt himself. At least he thinks he knows enough about the Bible. But he knows just enough to really hurt himself. And he said, I don't go to church because there are cliques there. And I thought, anywhere you got more than one person, you have the potential to have a clique. 
You can be on one side of the table, I can be on the other, and I say, I don't want anything to do with that person. I'm starting to click. That's all it takes. Then you start adding people, and now you have more people on one side of the table, and you have other people on the other side of the table. Now the click's a little bigger. Most clicks develop because of general interest or personality traits. I just get along with so-and-so. So we have, but that's not the Holy Ghost. That's you. If you got the Holy Ghost, you're going to go out of your way and start mingling with people you have nothing, nothing in common with because God loves them, because God pulled them out, because Jesus died for them. Because, oh, come on, somebody! Somebody back there, clap your hands and give God the praise. Once. Yeah. Like people in the White House. I understand what you're saying. Listen, listen. Once God brings them here, we have to make sure that we do our part. You can't be grumbling about the new branch of bitterness that sprung out. There's, there's some people I know, I've counseled them for years, and it's the same three, it's the, they just go in a cycle. You have to get, you have to be aware of that and say, I'm busting out of that today. I'm going to come into church and I'm going to get in alignment with God and I'm going to magnify. I'm going to glorify. I'm going to lift him off the earth. I'm going to exalt him off the earth. And now somebody that's sitting in a pew says, I feel something. I feel something. I feel something in that church. I feel something. Come on, somebody. Clap your hands. Get in alignment. Sister, um, Sister Schumann, our dear Sister Schumann, is it your is it your aunt or your cousin? Your aunt, Pastor. La this is last week. I'm gonna show you how this works, Pastor. I have an aunt. She said she wants what I have. Do you know of a church in Springfield, Missouri? I just happen to have a dear friend that's pastoring a home missions work in Springfield, Missouri. So I sent them the information you gave me. When she walked in the door, they already knew her name. They sent me a picture with their arm around her. You, my God, I feel it all over me. I feel it all over me. That's two people working together so that God can draw. Clap your hands. Give God the praise. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. All right. Where's Sister Melody? Would you just lift your hands back there? She's now married to Brother Ramil.
they have a beautiful little baby named Roxanne. Ooh, ooga booga, ooga booga, ooga booga, ooga booga. Every time I see this couple, there's something in me that just takes a lap. Because you got to understand, Sister Melody and her sister, Sister Candace, these are the sisters of thunder. They walked into a bank. They walked into a bank that Brother Evan Hood, that's now pastoring in Carson City, Nevada, was a teller in that bank. And they got to talking, and he witnessed to them. And they ended up coming to church. Not only are they in this church, her future husband is in the church. Brother Cody, lift your hand. He's in there. I'm telling you, God says, come on, I'll send them to you. But you got to work with them. You got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to do something. Clap your hands, lift your voice, give God the praise. For I have much people in this city. Brother Darian, how long have you been in this church? Remember all those text messages I used to send you? You didn't even answer those text messages. See, what some of you don't know is we don't give up on people if they're not in this building. Oh, I wish somebody would help me out right now. No, you you got to understand how glorious it is. Well, that's the pastor. And he's got a nice big truck, and they got a nice home. You want to know why I got all that stuff? Because I was doing this when I had nothing, and I'm still doing it today. If you get in alignment, you can be trusted with blessing. If God was to bless some of you, you'd be gone. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. Give God the praise. Whenever you see somebody that's greatly blessed, that's God letting you know they have great consecration. Because a man that's blessed without consecration is gone. So let me help some of you out. Get into alignment. Say, God, I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to be an active agent. I'm, I'm preaching exactly what I've done ever since I've been in the church for 36 years. I'm not preaching to you some methodology I got out of a book from headquarters. I've been living this. What I'm preaching right now, I've been living this for 36 years. I'm telling you, it works. You get in alignment with God and say, God, there's got to be somebody on this job that the Spirit of God knows. Maybe I don't see it. Maybe they're an alcoholic and nobody knows it. Maybe their marriage is about to blow up. Maybe they've got an alternative lifestyle and they're struggling. There's got to be somebody. God, I'm in alignment with you today. Just give me a word. Just give me direction. I'm willing to go to somebody. For I have much people. If your consecration does not match your level of blessing, then your blessings will take you over. 
but God prefers to do it when we have little or nothing so that everything beyond nothing, he gets the glory for it, and we know where it came from. Didn't come from my education. Didn't come from my good looks. I'm striking out right now. Didn't come from reading Zig, Zig Ziglar's How to Win Friends and Be Influential. I was just a regenerated, justified ex-rocker that was in love with Jesus. And God said, I'm going to put you in an entire region. Now, let you and I go to work. They are having revival in that back room, but I ain't going in there for all the money in this world. I haven't changed a diaper in 30 years, and I ain't about to start again. Somebody say amen. I have a, a dear friend of mine is a Russian pastor. I said, I want you to meet me at the... I want you to meet me at the church. I just wanted to talk to him. He wanted to talk about some other, some other things. And we took a tour of this facility, took him across the street. We walked through that facility. When we were done, how long you get, how long your congregation been here? You started this? He said, I can't believe this. I can't believe what this church is doing. What God has done. You want to know why God is or the devil has resisted some of you? Because if he can get you to move from that level of alignment where there's family members at stake and people on the job, then he can thwart what God wants to do in that particular area. If you'll just stay focused and just get in alignment with God and just be ready to share the gospel, just be ready to give that Bible study, just be ready to condescend to men of low estate, just, to, just, to, just do whatever God opens up. My Russian friend, I almost had to help him in his car. He said, Pastor... I, you think I'm, I'm probably hamming it up just a little bit, but just a little bit. He got voted in to a church that had already been here for a long time. Probably had to struggle with the board, had to struggle. I said, this is an apostolic church. Pastor. How did you guys do this? God, I'm not being a smarty pants. I don't have a clue how we did this. How did you guys do this? God, you're kidding me. You don't have any zillionaires in the church? No, they moved away. You don't have highly influential people in the city in your church? Well, yeah. If they walk in the Holy Ghost, yeah. But no. 
just God bringing from the south, pulling from the east, pulling from the north, pulling from the west. Apostle Paul had the mayor, Bill Gates, or somebody like him. Somebody influential, somebody wealthy, somebody well-connected. No. This is who is in. This is what God considered to be much people. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Brother Clark, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. This is talking about different variations of alternative lifestyles. Nor abusers of themselves of mankind means homosexual. Next verse. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Next verse. And such were some. Let's clap our hands and say, I'm right where I belong. I'm right where I belong. God ain't looking for politicians. God ain't looking for doctors. God's looking for somebody that he can draw out. Stand to your feet and clap your hands and lift your voice and give him praise. I've never been more excited than I'm excited right now. I've never been more excited about the prospects of revival than I am today. Because as the world continues to get stranger and more perverted and more reprobate, Jesus is tugging a little harder. But I want the Lord to know when you get them here, we, they ain't going to find some little game. They ain't going to find somebody they're just patty-caking. You found a church that's going to lift Jesus up so he can now draw them all the way in. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Take your depression and get rid of it. Take your bitterness and put it in this altar. Take your lust and get it under the blood. It's time for revival. Somebody shout. Somebody magnify. Somebody glorify. I'm just telling you it's going to happen. But I cannot wait until a couple transgender people come to our church. You might be here today. Welcome home. We don't want you going anywhere else. This is where God brought you. 
Transgender people are welcome in this church. Gay people are welcome in this church. I need somebody to help me. That's pitiful. If you're breathing, we're in favor of you. But make no mistake about it. The transgender community says I was born wrong. The gay community said I was born this way. If you come here, you're going to hear it loud and clear. You must be born again of the water. Come on, somebody. Let's lift him up. Let's give God the praise. Let's give God the glory. Now listen, you're here by design. And I want you to feel so very welcome to come to this altar. The altar calls that this church, God, God, God has done this. Some of the things that take place in this altar are beyond words. And so as they begin to play and sing, I want you to just make your way to this altar. If you have never repented of your sins, today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. If, if you just feel dirty and you feel unclean and you've, you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you can come to this altar and say, God, forgive me. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to act that way. I don't want to be this way and go down in the name of Jesus and come out of that water a new creature in Christ. You've never been filled with the glorious power of the Holy Ghost. God has that for you. Because God, if He's going to work His part, when people come here, they need to hear the right things. They need to see the right things. They need to feel the right things. Cornerstone, come on. Invite somebody with you. This altar is open in Jesus' name.